The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The teachings of the Ascended Masters are universal and available to all. The Ascended Masters themselves are the saints and sages of East and West, and their teachings incorporate the original core beliefs of all the world's major religions. No matter which religious path you follow, you will find these teachings equally compelling. This is The Open Door. Come along with us as we explore the teachings of the Ascended Masters. Here are the hosts for The Open Door, Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. And greetings, everyone, and welcome. Thank you for joining us today on The Open Door, the Internet voice of the Summit Lighthouse, where we publish and practice the teachings of the Ascended Masters. I'm Tom Schumacher. And I'm Terry Kennedy. Hi, Terry. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we've had a couple of encores the last few weeks, and it's kind of nice to be back here in the uh, studio for a live show, and it should be pretty lively today. Well, yes, because our focus today is on... Blaming God and forgiving God. You know, we don't take the easy road, do we? No, we're right into the fire. <laughs> you know, and it's a hot fire, too. You know, today, as usual, we're tackling another of those subjects with, that are normally not heard or addressed anywhere else. <laughs> well, maybe there's a reason for that, John. Uh, uh, you mean it might be uh, foolhardy to go where even angels fear to tread? Well, the thought <laughs> did cross my mind. I know, we're, we're intrepid, <laughs> aren't we? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, granted, um, there's maybe a fine line between courage and foolishness, but I trust that today... We will stay comfortably on the side of, well, not foolishness. Well, we'll see about that, won't we? (laughs) Yes, by God's grace, we will. I'm ready, though. Are you ready? Uh, Yeah, I guess we might as well just dive right in. Yeah, good. Well, when we talk about forgiving God, we have to understand that to forgive God, we must first have blamed him for something. Blamed God? Yeah, blamed God. For something bad, no doubt. Well, yeah, it would have to have been something we considered bad, You, you know, for some outcome we may feel God could have influenced in a more positive way. And as we all know, there are plenty of things that people often get mad at God about, even when it comes to how God chooses to answer our prayers. Well, maybe not uh, Maybe not the way we'd like. No, no, right. But, you know, we must remember this little phrase, not my will, but thine be done. Yeah, that's how we should always end our prayers <laughs> and decrees, uh, that they be adjusted to God's will, not ours. You know, and of course, there are plenty of things that can happen that we simply can't imagine would be God's will. Uh, like, for instance, a child dies, yeah. another is born with a serious birth defect, a loved one is hurt or taken from us, and we become seriously ill. Oh, yeah, you know, relationships unexpectedly crash and burn, you know, we lose our home, our finances are wrecked. Well, we're attacked, uh, subjected to abuse, unfairly treated, mm-hmm. unjustly accused. Yeah. I mean, the list just goes on as long as life is self. Yeah, and, and given circumstances like these, we might be tempted to ask, how could you let this happen, God? Where were you when I needed you? It's probably human nature to be tempted to react in this way. You know, talking about this subject brings to mind a recent book our listeners may be aware of. Uh. Why do bad things happen to good people? (laughs) Surely we all consider ourselves to be good people. So couldn't God have done something to keep these (laughs) trials and tribulations away from our doorstep? 
And if not, why not? And at that point, sadly, some may blame and curse God for their misfortune or even turn away from him altogether. Which causes great pain to our souls. Oh, boy. Pain mm-hmm. that we may carry for many, many lifetimes. You know, and this is a really important point. The anger we felt toward God may have faded from our conscious memory, but it's still there inside, waiting to be healed, until we choose to resolve our blaming of God and undoing our cursing of him. For what has befallen us, we will never know true peace or wholeness. Well, the truth is, we are the ones who are ultimately accountable for what we experience. (laughs) That's because what we experience is most often a direct result of our own karma. Our karma, good and bad, is created by virtue of our own free will choice. Yeah, so we should think about this when we are beset by life's challenges and hard knocks, even when our first inclination is to wonder, where did this come from? It's probably our karma returning to be balanced. And some situations, maybe a better word to use is opportunities, some opportunities occur repeatedly, lifetime after lifetime, until they are finally resolved and balanced. And as you said a moment ago, uh, what blame and anger we may harbor against God could be a lingering carryover from a lifetime long past. A long past, which again means that we might not even be aware of it in this moment. You know, I'm sure there's a simple call or prayer that we can use to uncover and transmute these unconscious memories. Well, we can ask Nellie Duffy when she joins us later. That's an excellent idea. In the meantime, let's look at another aspect of this cursing God equation that needs to be addressed. When we realize that we may have cursed God for something that happened to us in the past, near past, and long past, we're probably not going to feel too good about it. We might (laughs) even feel that what we've done is unforgivable. And, And that would be a huge mistake. God knows our hearts, and he forgives us even before we ask. The biggest challenge usually comes down to our ability and willingness to forgive ourselves. Well, doesn't it always? Yeah, well, how often do we talk about our roles as co-creators with God? Everything we say, think, and do is done with God's energy, which makes us ultimately accountable for what happens to us. And, and blaming God for something that happened to us is an example of a way that we have used God's energy incorrectly. So, by using the same innate power to create as God creates, we can instantly undo the blaming Mm -hmm. and cursing of God. And in that same moment, forgive ourselves for (laughs) this misuse of his energy. Yeah, of course, we make it sound easy. (laughs) But in truth, this process of forgiveness is really not complicated. It's simple when done sincerely from the heart. And best news of all, we are absolutely worthy to be forgiven. (laughs) Well, in in just a few moments, we will share with you a wonderful excerpt from a lecture by Elizabeth Clare Prophet entitled, Forgiveness, Erasing Past Karma. But before we go there, there's one other issue (laughs) that we've alluded to earlier, but bears repeating, and that is free will. Well, well, that's really the linchpin, isn't it? Mm -hmm. As we've said so many times before, our karma is the consequence of our actions. As we sow, so shall we reap. Easy for you to say. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. So cursing or blaming God for our troubles is really misplacing the real responsibility. Because whatever we may have done, we did it by virtue of our own God-given free will. We chose. And every choice comes with a price tag. Do you notice how, no matter what subject we begin with, we eventually come back to karma? (laughs) I'd noticed that. (laughs) Hard not to notice. But we're not purposely trying to be stealthy. It just sort of happens this way. Yeah, you know, like they say, all roads lead to Rome. Mm -hmm. It's just that so many things we experience in life have a karmic component. And many people in the West aren't routinely given this knowledge. 
And we need to know this stuff if we're going to correctly place responsibility and accountability where it truly belongs. Which is not in God's lap, <laughs> but in our own. That's right. And once we accept this accountability and begin to really deal with balancing our karma, another wonderful thing happens. We finally balance enough karma to get off the oh. wheel of birth and rebirth and ascend and become one with our I Am Presence and join the company of Ascended Masters forever. Whoa. <laughs> karma and personal, res- well, actually, personal accountability reincarnation and the ascension. There's a reason we keep coming back to these topics. Well, it's all about reuniting with the heart of God and getting rid of anything that gets in our way, Mm -hmm. like anything we may be holding against God. Yeah, and right now we'd like to play that short excerpt we promised from the lecture by Elizabeth Clare Provitt that we mentioned earlier. And we also want to invite you to stay tuned for a very interesting interview with Mrs. Prophet on the subject of karma. It's coming up in our next segment. So here, without further ado, is an excerpt from a lecture by Elizabeth Clare Prophet. It's entitled, Forgiveness, Erasing Past Karma. The next call is for forgiveness. It's a very important action. It is the first miracle, which is not a miracle at all, but a demonstration of law. Jesus in Cana, the marriage of Cana, at Galilee. He changes the water into wine, symbolizing the whole mission as a demonstration of the science of God's energy. And that the key of his mission will be the forgiveness of the waters of our human consciousness that they might be translated into the wine of spirit. That's the entire reason he came. Forgiveness is a most magnificent experience. It's that law of resolution. You see yourself now increasing the love action of the violet flame, which becomes more and more pink. You see the violet purple pink bursting within the aura, and you realize that as you begin to contemplate and love every part of God, especially those whom you have wronged and those who have wronged you, that there wells up within you such an intense desire and love that when you begin to make this command of I am forgiveness acting here, the law of this science of the spoken word propels from your heart sphere upon sphere of love energy including the forgiveness flame the violet flame and these spheres of energy go forth from you on pinions on wings of light that are the action of alpha and omega you begin right in your immediate environment your family your loved ones your experiences in this life unresolved experiences And then you think about the fact of many incarnations before, all of these unresolved connections that we keep coming back to resolve. It's like the oyster creating his pearl. That one grain of sand in our subconscious means over and over again we have to keep on sowing light. Now, this is the law of resolution taught by the Buddha. And Jesus, when he taught us to pray, he said, don't come to the altar of God with anger in your heart, with a difference with your neighbor. Go and solve the problem and then come back to the altar. The reason being, the altar is the place where the flame of life burns. Whatever you touch it to, it will multiply. If you have hatred in your heart, it's going to multiply it and you will create a much greater karma. An absence of forgiveness or resolution with every part of God creates the national disease of insomnia, all kinds of mental disorders, emotional problems, everybody flocking to psychiatrists. We use the psychiatrist instead of the inner Christ self, 
instead of the mediator, instead of the confessor. We talk out all our problems. We think they're resolved because we've gone through them and come back again, but really they've never been transmuted because only the fire of the Holy Spirit is going to erase that vibration. So when you start thinking about the great joy, the limitless potential of the law and the command, you want to send this forgiveness flame to everyone you know in all the universe and everyone you've ever known. And so it multiplies in your heart, goes out from you, millions and millions of spheres. The law is infinite. God in you is the decree, the decreer, and the fulfillment of the decree. This is not something you're doing yourself. You're letting God command God's energy through you when you speak. You see these spheres of light go into every hamlet and home, bursting in every household, erasing the problems of the past. And then you realize that in your spherical being with Christ, you come into his body, you can ascend and hover over the earth, and also invoke that forgiveness for the nations, visualizing this energy descend into the major places on earth where there is unrest and war. Forgiveness is the beginning of solving all national and international problems. So we give this every morning with this intense love together. I am forgiveness acting here, casting out all doubt and fear, setting men forever free with wings of cosmic victory. I am calling in full power for forgiveness every hour. To all life in every place, I put forth forgiving grace. I am forgiveness acting here, casting out all doubt and fear, setting men forever free with wings of cosmic victory. I am calling in full power for forgiveness every hour. To all life in every place, I put forth forgiving grace. I am forgiveness acting here, casting out all doubt and fear, setting men forever free with wings of cosmic victory. I am calling in full power for forgiveness every hour. To all life in every place, I put forth forgiving grace. Law of Karmic Return. Don't go away. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. On the spiritual quest, our upward journey hinges on four basic questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? Who are you? You are a spiritual being, a child of God. And when you recognize this, your whole world changes for the better. No matter where you are or who you're with, the power of this inner knowing will compel you to come up higher. Why are you here? To master your human nature, fulfill your divine purpose, and become one with God. Where are you going? Simply put, you are returning home to the heart of God, where your soul's journey began so very long ago. How do you get there? Follow the Ascended Masters. These great saints and sages of East and West have walked where you walk. They are committed to helping you to find your way home, and their teachings are always practical. Our goal on The Open Door is to keep the spiritual journey as simple and uncomplicated as possible so that all who choose can walk this path with confidence and certainty. The Open Door is live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. And we are the Summit Lighthouse, the pathway to your ascension. For more information, visit www.tsl.org. 
This is the Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. Well, now, what happens to people who will not take responsibility for balancing their karma? And for that matter, how many chances do we get to get it right? Here is Elizabeth Clare Prophet on the Law of Karmic Return. Our interviewer is Doug Kenyon. What happens to someone who doesn't take responsibility for balancing his own karma? Jesus had an answer for this. He said, Woe unto you, lawyers, for ye have taken away the key of knowledge. Ye entered not in yourselves, but them that were entering in ye hindered. The lawyers Jesus is speaking of are those who take the letter of the law and split that letter and destroy the key of knowledge of God, which is in the great mystery that is revealed by the Holy Spirit. The understanding of the continuity of the soul's evolution is absolutely basic to true Christianity. Then do people go to heaven or hell when they die? Well, what I'm concerned with is not so much heaven and hell, is that there are those wolves in sheep's clothing who are in the pulpits of every nation who are telling people that there is no return of the soul, there is no opportunity. What this means is that there are individuals who have defied God, who are unwilling to go before the judgment to atone for that sin, to reincarnate and undo the wrong they have done. In other words, to serve life and to set themselves and that life free. They want someone else to do it for them. And so they take the true teaching of Jesus Christ as the world's Savior. They take his tremendous demonstration of love for us and they turn it into an escapism whereby they can totally escape from the law of karma. This is the great tragedy that the real teaching and the real meat of Christ's teaching is taken from his children today. What happened to those teachings? Jesus taught that John the Baptist was Elias come again. There's no way we can rationalize that Jesus was not teaching the doctrine of reincarnation. But if we need further proof, here we have Jesus saying to his disciples, Whom do men say that I the Son of Man am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. The point here is that the disciples were telling him that others were speculating on who he might have been in his previous incarnation. Jesus never rebukes them, never says to them, it is wrong for you to speak of something that is of the devil. But he goes right on with his question because he is not interested in speculation on who he was in his last life. He wants to know if they have identified the eternal nature of Jesus and of all who is the Christ. And so he says, but whom say ye that I am? And this is when Simon Peter gives his famous answer, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus blesses him and says, Flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. 
And so Jesus has demonstrated to his disciples that the Christ is the eternal nature of himself. And it is by the identity of the Christ that he desires to be remembered, not by his previous incarnations. And thus he teaches us all the emphasis we should place. We're not particularly interested in knowing who we were in our past lives. What is important about the doctrine of reincarnation is that we are able to face the fact that what we are today is the totality of what we have been before. And it is this rebellion that concerns me, because without that understanding, we cannot evolve to the place where we can reunite with the I am that I am. Have any of the church scholars taught reincarnation in the period since Jesus left us? Well, as a matter of fact, Origen of Alexandria, one of the most influential members of the early church, as influential as Augustine, actually taught the pre-existence of the soul and the doctrine of reincarnation. His famous writings have been destroyed almost completely because he was condemned and his theories were anathematized. But in fact, he set forth not his own logic, but the prevailing understanding of the Christian mysteries by the group of souls who had retained that message which Jesus gave, of which John speaks when he says that there are so many things which Jesus did that the world could not contain the books that should be written. But nevertheless, finally in the year 553, it was Theodora and Justinian who determined that his works should be anathematized. And therefore, the doctrine of reincarnation has fallen into what we might say the subconscious body of knowledge of the church. It's interesting to note that Theodora was a prostitute before she became empress and the wife of Justinian. And in contemplation of this doctrine of reincarnation, she could not face the consequences of what a future life might be because of her previous sins. She would rather make permanent the doctrine that she could be saved through the Christ and not bear her own burden as the law states we must all do. And so we see that it was rebellion against the inner law which Christ taught that caused so much controversy to rise up against origin. How important is it that a person come to believe in reincarnation? Well, St. Germain, who is the master, the ascended master of the Aquarian cycle, teaches us in one of his dictations how important it is. He says that it is the keystone in the arch of being. Without the understanding of re-embodiment, as he calls it, we cannot really understand our soul's path of evolution. And he says it would be most beneficial if the human monad could refrain from prejudgment in matters of cosmic doctrine and could universally accept the reality of re-embodiment. For it is in the acceptance of this doctrine that the true wisdom of the ages is more easily discerned. It is most difficult for mankind in any age, perceiving in the span of a few short years a series of events relative to the personal self, to be able to judge the world in which they live and the entire society from which they have derived both bane and blessing, and then to be able to perceive cosmic matters and assess them properly. By accepting and rightly understanding re-embodiment, a new cosmic sense is developed in the individual who is then better equipped to see behind the surface effect underlying personal causes stretching back across the dust of centuries. 
Saint Germain says, simply because men lack conscious memory of a previous existence, does not validly deny this truth. Many have already experienced the feeling of having performed a given deed before. Many have noted with interest the manifestation of genius in art, music, science, or other aptitudes at a most early age, indicating the resumption of the broken thread of identity. Modern physicians take note of the distinct personality of babies on the very day of their birth. All over the world, fascinating and authoritative stories are related concerning someone who does recall some scene from a past life. In the book, Quietly Comes the Buddha. It says, Consider that you yourself have sown the wind, and that if you would enter into the fiery core of being, you must first reap the whirlwind. What does that mean? They have sown the wind and reaped the whirlwind. This is simply the law of cause and effect. And in order for that law to be fulfilled, the individual soul must reincarnate because we cannot receive the full impact of all we do in a given lifetime. And so it is talking about the fact that we must face our karma first before we come to the judgment, before we come to the trial by the sacred fire before we are to be weighed in the great balance of life, because God allows for us to balance the karma and he gives us extensive opportunity until ultimately when that span of opportunity has been fulfilled, then comes the final judgment, which is written about in the book of Revelation. It seems that most people in the world are actually getting behind in the game rather than getting ahead. Is there any hope for them? Well, the problem is that people are not actively balancing their karma in the West because they do not consider it a necessity. So the philosophy of the children of God is derived from the fallen ones who say, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die. And they are talking about the death of the soul. And they are teaching this doctrine. And the children of God have nowhere to turn. Because their leaders teach them, it doesn't matter what you do. You can never pay your debt. You can only lean on Christ who died for your sins. And so round after round of this false doctrine, embodiment after embodiment, comes the utter disappointment that the soul cannot yet be received in the resurrection by the Lord Christ because it has not settled its accounts. And therefore it is directed once again by the lords of karma to return to the scene of its crime, if you will, to stand, face, and conquer all that has transpired in the past. So then you would attribute the general spiral of decay in the world to the failure to take responsibility for one's previous lives? Not only one's previous life, but the present life. Not only do people not come to grips with the past, but they can scarcely take that responsibility for what they did yesterday. People are walking out on responsibility everywhere, and this is the moral decay of civilization. You preach a hard doctrine. Nevertheless, Doug, it's the law. And if we betray the law, we betray our own souls. We will all keep reincarnating until we are willing to balance that karma. Thank you very much. Oh, yep, balancing our karma. Well, up next, our weekly Q&A, and today, once again, we are joined by Dr. Narrowly Duffy. Please stay with us.
visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. On the spiritual quest, our upward journey hinges on four basic questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? Who are you? You are a spiritual being, a child of God. And when you recognize this, your whole world changes for the better. No matter where you are or who you're with, the power of this inner knowing will compel you to come up higher. Why are you here? To master your human nature, fulfill your divine purpose, and become one with God. Where are you going? Simply put, you are returning home to the heart of God, where your soul's journey began so very long ago. How do you get there? Follow the Ascended Masters. These great saints and sages of East and West have walked where you walk. They are committed to helping you to find your way home, and their teachings are always practical. Our goal on The Open Door is to keep the spiritual journey as simple and uncomplicated as possible so that all who choose can walk this path with confidence and certainty. The Open Door is live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, and we are the Summit Lighthouse, the pathway to your ascension. For more information, visit www.tsl.org. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. Yes, we are back and joining us to continue our exploration of cursing God and forgiveness and karma and reincarnation <laughs> and being a co-creator with God is Dr. Nerly Duffy. Hi, Nerly. Hi, Tom. Hi, Hi Jerry. Hi, Nerly. Nice yeah. yeah. Well, you know, to get us started on the right foot, um, we alluded to this in our first segment, can you give us a simple call to use to uncover and transmute or deal with any lingering enmity we may hold in our hearts against God? Well, let me just offer a simple prayer as an example. Okay. Beloved Heavenly Father, Mother God, forgive us if we have harbored resentment against you. Forgive us if we have had hardness of heart towards you or to any part of life, our brothers and sisters anywhere. Forgive us and create a new and right heart within us. Expand the love in our hearts and fill our hearts with your love, your wisdom and power, and show us how we might expand the love in our hearts and forgive all life, including you. According to God's holy will, let it be done. Amen. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just a prayer from the heart. Yeah, well, that's good, though. That, that, and it doesn't have to be verbatim. It's, nope. it's, yes, no. God knows our hearts. Yep. Well, answer me this. What, what happens inside us when we curse God or get angry with God? Well, I think the important thing to realize is that our souls are really unhappy in that state. And we can start to feel a pain or a burden at a soul level. Mm-hmm. And then it can eventually outpicture in other aspects of our lives. We're not happy with ourselves. We're not happy with our spouse. We're not happy with anybody. Mm-hmm. So the interesting thing is when we curse God, we're actually really cursing ourselves in the long run. Because like a boomerang, it all comes back to us. We kind of shortchange ourselves mm-hmm. and we deprive ourselves 
of the fullness of that love and forgiveness that we really desire. Mm-hmm. So in one sense, we're cursing and angry at God and not forgiving, but it's really ourselves that we're cursing and angry and not forgiving. Yeah, well, yeah. And, and harboring the anger, um, I know uh, Mrs. Prophet alluded to this earlier, that a lot of our psychological problems, I mean, everything mm. from insomnia to depressions, etc., the the anger that we harbor mm. and the cursing perhaps, you know, it's all kind of... Uh, Affects us in that way in our souls, as you said, it, it's it's painful. Yeah, yeah. And, and and it can really be a, a block to our spiritual progress. So this is a really important program because if we can get a little handle on this yeah. and get some forgiveness flowing and and talk about this and pray about it and meditate on us, you know, the benefits are incredible. Well, you can it, just feel a real sense of relief. And I, I was just yeah. going to say that personally, I have I literally felt that as if a weight has been removed from my mm-hmm. shoulders, some mm-hmm. psychic weight. Um, you know, one of the things that this idea of anger and harboring anger brings up is that in some people's minds, um, mm. uh, they believe in a wrathful God, a God who will mete out punishment, revenge, retaliation on our behalf. Is this even possible? Well, I think <laughs> that we've been taught this way of thinking, you know, uh, by well-meaning and sometimes <laughs> some not so well-meaning people. Like the fallen that, ones? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, you know, there's this vengeful God and he's out to get you and, yeah. and you're trembling and shaking in church and... You know, that's really not the case. God is a God of love. He's not vengeful. He's not into punishment. He's certainly not capricious or into (laughs) retaliation. But he does allow our karma to descend, not as punishment, but as a wake-up call to wake us up to say, you know, something's not right here. Ask some questions and and maybe back up and get on the right track. I know we get to it later, so I'll just allude to it now, that this is one of the great mercies of God, Mm. too, for these opportunities to balance his karma. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, And karma is mercy. It, it is opportunity. We've said that many times, mm-hmm. but if we can get that into our mind, it's not punishment, it's not revenge, it's it's just to wake you up. Yeah. It's just yeah. opportunity. And that mercy flame is a violet flame, yeah. so that transmutes, and the forgiveness is a violet flame, so that yeah. transmutes. So if people just do the violet flame, or the forgiveness uh, decree. Yeah, the one that she just gave. Yeah. Yeah. It, it'll yeah. start its work without having yeah. to think about it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, can we really be forgiven for cursing God? <laughs> yeah. I mean, isn't this like, like the worst possible no-no? Yes, like, <laughs> yeah. I can never be redeemed. Right. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, the Bible does says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And that does mean cursing or using God's mm-hmm. name in a way that's not respectful. But we can be forgiven for anything. We just need to... You know, confess, um, apologize, ask for forgiveness, just like you do with your child. I mean, Mm -hmm. your child won't do anything that you couldn't forgive. And God's the same with us. Make amends, bounce the karma, move on. God doesn't want to shackle us to a mistake we made yesterday or a thousand years ago. And God forgets our sin once it's forgiven and transmuted. Problem is that some of these things go so way back into our past, Mm. and we are not seeing the connection. And I think actually it's the devil that tells us that our sins... Cannot be forgiven. Yeah, you've gone yeah. too far. You're over. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. over the edge. So just you know, yeah. why just worry give about up. it? Yeah, give up. <laughs> just give up. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned a child and children earlier. We ran off a list of things that can lead to some people mm. cursing God. You know, like losing a child. Mm-hmm. Very, very hard. And it can be hard to see that returning karma is really an example of the mercy of God rather than a, a heartless calculation. What can you say to those who have suffered great loss? Well, these are the hard things in life, and they really are a test in a way of how much we love God and how much we really trust him. And we need to understand that God does understand. God feels our pain. God Mm -hmm. doesn't want us to suffer. So if you've lost someone dear to you, God of all people, of all beings, Mm -hmm. can understand the pain of that loss. He went through the loss of his own son. 
and the trauma of what that son went through. But his son didn't die. He gave up his life and then came back again. So the the, the mm-hmm. blessing of losing a soul, if there is a, a blessing, is that, you know, the soul goes on. You know, when somebody dies, they're not dead forever. Their soul continues. And it, we get very attached to this physical body, but mm-hmm. our relationships are at a much higher level. So if something like this happens to you, draw nigh to God, get closer to Him, allow Him to comfort you, and allow others to comfort you too, and allow yourself to grieve and go through the process of grieving. It's there for a reason. And one of those stages, you know, is anger. Yeah. Don't be hard on yourself. Get help if you need it. And you can and will get through it, and you'll get out the other side. And very oftenly, often, you see um, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, and you see yeah. a bigger plan. There was a bigger picture here. Right. Well, and I know it doesn't necessarily make it any easier, no. but I think that you look at that soul's karma, perhaps, was completed. Uh, that, that what they came to do, they did. And perhaps they did it as an infant, you know, hard to know. Well, well can I just touch on that? Because sure. we've mentioned twice the loss of a child, and, and I know there's people out there that have, you know, probably have lost a child. Mm-hmm. And um, we don't always understand the full picture, but it may be, and Mrs. Prophet has told us, I, I know one child was with um, its parents for about a year mm-hmm. and then passed on, had physical challenges. And, and she said, you know, that child only needed to be with you a short time, and the love that you gave it mm. enabled it to um, learn what it had to learn, transmute mm. whatever it was, and then it went back to heaven, and then it came back again in another embodiment, but with a whole physical body. Yeah. I know one mm. child, um, and another aspect of this is that, that you may, these children may be great souls of light who volunteered to take on world karma. I know one little boy, he lived about 10 years, and he was born with incredible physical difficulties. Mm-hmm. He could not speak, he could not move, he could not walk. But this child had great light. And um, we were told that he was actually a Buddha in embodiment. He had volunteered to take on this body. Mm-hmm. He bore it willingly. And when his mother brought him to um, meet people, people were just uplifted by this mm-hmm. child. Yeah. Wow. You know, there was something special about him. I know one other um, young child who's, who's now a young man, uh, was born with a with a heart disease that was very difficult and was was not expected to live long, and he did live, and she also said that this particular child had taken on this illness as bearing the pain of of mm-hmm. the world in his heart. So, you know, you need to look at a bigger picture here, and maybe this child was an incredible gift to you and to the world, and it's not easy. But if you can see it from another perspective and, and start to ask God, what exactly is going on here? Oftentimes your higher self will tell you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and a lot of these children are real blessings to the family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, whether we know it consciously or not, we all really want to leave this veil of tears and get home, you know? <laughs> yeah. So why do. Do we, why do we keep misusing our free will and messing up our chances to graduate? Yeah, good question. Terry, do you think it's a little bit of self-sabotage going yeah. on? Maybe just a little. Uh, yeah, I think the more we do something, the more the coils of momentum we create around ourselves, and it really does get into a habit pattern, and that's where it literally... It starts to involve itself in our own personal psychology and our karma as well. So your circumstance is a result of your karma and your psychology. If you change your circumstance, if you change your psychology, you change your karma, things are different. So this is where the violet flame comes in. And you have to actually ask for the violet flame to go into, why do I keep doing the same thing? That yeah, I keep name it Not wanting to do, yeah. And just say, look, I keep tripping up on this thing. I want to send the violet flame into it uh-huh. and ask for it 
to be resolved. And sometimes you need to get help from a wise counselor to help you with your psychology. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, um, we, we have now broached a number of our favorite topics here. <laughs> I know. Um, and one of the things that we talk about when we talk about the return of the soul to reincarnation and what these opportunities really mean in terms of getting it right um, this is our spiritual birthright. I mean, ultimately, we want to get out of Dodge. We want to make it home reunion mm-hmm. with the heart of God. Right. And we can't overlook the fact that there are so many forces arrayed against us. They're working very hard to prevent our ever receiving this revelation. You know, again, I, I know the answer to this is kind of a, a softball question, but nonetheless, who is it that's behind these efforts? Well, you know, as well <laughs> as I do, Tom, that it is the fallen angels. <laughs> Forces of darkness, embodied and disembodied, who just delight in making it hard for us. In fact, when we trip up, that's when they really go to work. They hound us. They condemn us. You're they not tell worthy. Us we, uh, you know, all those, yeah. all those tracks that run in the back of our mind. Yeah. See, I knew you were going to do that. Yeah, know. right. Yeah. There, see, you did it again. Yeah. Right. You know, and, You're just and, no good. And yeah. as a minister, I talk to people about this all the time. Do you? Yeah. I mean, um, you say, yeah. do you hear what you're saying about <laughs> you're right. yourself? You know, do you think that's really? Well, that's that's a yeah. very interesting thing that you say because a lot of us are not aware of our self-talk. Yeah. It is so automatic and it's just been running on autopilot for so long that we don't even stop to think, wait a minute, what am I saying to myself? Mm-hmm. What is that? What What is what I'm saying really mean? Because those are limiting beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. Those are, uh, I mean, we're willing co-conspirators with the fallen ones at yeah. times. Right. Yeah. Well, they play directly into our own. Carnal mind, our enemy within, our not self. Well, you know, some of the, the masters, two are in league. Yeah, I think they've said. You know, yeah. sometimes they know us better than we know ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's almost like we're we're, we're broadcasting, and they're picking it up. They've oh. got receivers, and they know they exactly know what we're thinking. They know us better than we know ourselves at any given time. Yeah. yeah. But let me go back to a quick question here. Uh, karma can certainly be seen as a curse, but will free will, the law of karma, and reincarnation, for that matter, also are these examples of God's great mercy? For us, um, well, they are, and, and the more you understand karma and reincarnation, the more you absolutely love it, and the more you understand God's mercy, 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 mercy. God's mercy. It's a gift to be able to learn yeah. from your mistakes and not be judged immediately for them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and quickly here, what's the best way to thwart these forces of darkness? Oh, <laughs> the Bible says it: yeah. fast and pray, shun evil, avoid evil, live a virtuous life, do good for others, have a glad heart. <laughs> then do the spiritual work. Call to Archangel Michael for protection. Call for the exposure and the binding of these forces of darkness and evil everywhere that are trying to undo our civilization and bring it down in each one of us. And then use the violet flame to transmute it within ourselves mm-hmm. and out there in the world. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've got to take a break here, but don't go away. When we return, we'll continue our discussion of blaming God, forgiveness, karma, reincarnation, and a lot more. Stay with us. Yeah. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. On the spiritual quest, our upward journey hinges on four basic questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? How do I get there? Who are you? You are a spiritual being, a child of God. And when you recognize this, your whole world changes for the better, no matter where you are or who you're with. The power of this inner knowing will compel you to come up higher. Why are you here? To master your human nature, fulfill your divine purpose, and become one with God. Where are you going? 
Simply put, you are returning home to the heart of God, where your soul's journey began so very long ago. How do you get there? Follow the Ascended Masters. These great saints and sages of East and West have walked where you walk. They are committed to helping you to find your way home, and their teachings are always practical. Our goal on The Open Door is to keep the spiritual journey as simple and uncomplicated as possible so that all who choose can walk this path with confidence and certainty. The Open Door is live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, and we are the Summit Lighthouse, the pathway to your ascension. For more information, visit www.tsl.org. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. And yes, indeed, we are back for more discussion with Nerly Duffy. Um, you know, you know, after hearing us talk about it, people might begin to feel that free will is a curse mm. rather than a blessing. Mm. I mean, misusing our free will can get us into a lot of trouble. But it is truly one of great, the greatest gifts of God, isn't it? Well, indeed it is. And that's why the masters call it the grand experiment in free will. It's why Jesus said to Judas, that which thou doest, do quickly. The message of the master to Judas was, look, if you have to do, or you, if, if you have to do this, if you have to act in a certain groove of consciousness, go, do it quickly, come back, learn from the, the fruit, <laughs> the knowledge of good and evil, mm. and then begin once again to learn the lessons and the grand experiment to free will to which our God has sent you. So if we change the way that we think about free will, we can start to see its advantages. In other words, we have to turn the tables. Yeah. You know, um, make lemonade from lemons. You know, it's a challenge. It, but it's really an opportunity. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, every day we receive a portion of our karma to deal with, don't we? And <laughs> yes, oh, yes, we, we do. do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how, do, how do we prepare for this karmic return on a daily basis? Well, there's three ways. The first is to avoiding to avoid making any more bad karma. Good, and it sounds good idea. obvious, <laughs> but it really needs to be said. You yep. know, it mm-hmm. needs to be said. If, you know, if you're doing something that isn't right and you know it, stop doing it. Yeah. Second is liberal use of the violet flame to transmute the negatives that we've created or that we have brought with us because sometimes it's stuff that we're picking up from a past life and you can mm. be having traumas or difficulties and you don't know where it's coming from and you can look back and say, well, it's not this life, maybe it's a past life. Okay. So use that violet flame to transmute the me- negatives before they even arrive on your doorstep. The third thing is service to life. Find ways to serve people. Find ways to help people. It's a great way to balance karma. It feels really good to oh, do that. Oh, yeah. They you always know, say, there's just nothing like it. If you want to yeah. feel real good, do something for someone. Yeah, and you forget about yourself and your own problems. Yeah. Go to the soup kitchen and you're like, whoa, I thought I had problems. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, you know, in terms of taking advantage of those various opportunities, mm. um, are the opportunities that we receive to balance our karma limited? I remember, I think I heard it in the interview with Elizabeth Clare Prophet, that she said something about that, that at a certain point, the span of our opportunities cease and mm. we you know, go to the final judgment. Mm. Um, can we run out of opportunities? I mean, are we on the clock? 
<laughs> well, the karmic clock is always ticking, and the clock of our own life stream, our life energy, mm-hmm. you know, the sounds through the hourglass are always going through. But the opportunities to balance karma and to work with others are limited. You probably will trip over them walking out the door. <laughs> Just look for opportunities to help others. Yeah. Go out of your way, get yourself out of the way, or at least don't look the other way when the opportunity presents itself, when someone you know looks at you and says, I need help. Mm-hmm. And just do the best you can. Ask God to show you. He will literally bring the people to your doorstep. Don't forget to entertain strangers because we've entertained angels mm-hmm. unawares. Mm-hmm. And just listen to that little still, still small voice that says, go here, do this. You know, it will guide you. I, I, many of us have woken up and thought, well, I have this whole plan for the day. But then it's like, go over there and help that person. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Not say say this to that person yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah, what, sure. what were you starting to say? Not my, Just not my will, but thine be, be done. done. Yeah. 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 Well, the temptation to curse and blame God for our troubles is one of the fallen angels' strategies for robbing us of our light, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we kind of touched on it. Well, but. Terry, it's just a big old trap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> While the strategies of darkness are ancient, um, they haven't really changed since the downfall of the golden ages of uh, Lemuria and Atlantis. Mm-hmm. And if we want to bring in a golden age of freedom, peace, and enlightenment, we do have to understand these strategies. And um, in order for light to win the day and vanquish darkness, we need to understand them, be ready for them, anticipate them. And one of their big strategies is to get us upset with God. Okay. I mean, Job faced <laughs> wow. that test. Was he going to get angry at God or not? Right. Jesus faced it too. Mm-hmm. And the trick is not to fall for it. Or if, like most of us, you do fall for it from time to time, quickly ask for forgiveness, make a course correction, do your violet flame, work on whatever you have to work on inside you, and just move on. Yeah, you know, that's here, all God asks. Yeah, it, it, this brings to mind something we, we've spoken of on a number of occasions in the past. The ascended masters teach that anger, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's at ourselves or others or at God, can significantly diminish mm-hmm. the threefold flame in our hearts, even extinguish it mm-hmm. altogether. How do we guard against angry outbursts? Well, you mean like anger management? <laughs> that that really does work. I mean, a lot of people are doing anger management this de- these days, and it really does work. And what it's basically saying is just stop mm-hmm. before you open your mouth, before you say something you or do something you might regret, count to nine. We have a great little decree called the count to nine decree. Oh, yeah. And and you can just take a break, walk around the block, leave the meeting, mm-hmm. um, use some violet flame decrees, you know, Exercise, deep breathing, uh, therapy works, you know, letting it out in a safe place and discovering why you do what you do. Even physical repetitive work, weeding, chopping wood, shoveling snow, it's actually a great way to work off anger. Mm-hmm. And loss of harmony or anger leads to that loss of light. And it's true that, you know, we've been told a major outburst of anger or discord can cause you to lo- lose anywhere from six months to six or ten years on your Ooh. spiritual path. I oh mean, it's just too costly. That's a high price. So time. if you are somebody that gets angry every day, you need to stop, look at that, get some help, get some anger management. But more importantly, send the violet flame into that and figure out why you're doing what you're doing. Now, right. one of the things you just mentioned here about the time frame that could exist, you know, if those uppers occur, the violet flame will Accelerate oh, totally. the transmutation of that. Yeah. So the time frame could yeah. be lessened. Oh, yeah. It could be a, a day instead of six months or a year. Yeah. It could be, depending on your devotion and your love and what you put into it, it can be transmuted overnight. 
in a is, second. It's helpful to know. Oh, and, and, and it's another good reason to get up early in the morning and do these decrees oh. because then you can get a jump on the energy before it. Well, you know about that little package of karma that arrives on your doorstep, the little right. nicely wrapped, you know. And <laughs> if you, before you were like, open it, don't open it, pile a flame at it, yeah. six o'clock or something. Yeah. Well, and, and then the rest of the day can be spent yes. transmitting other yes. past karma. Yes. Yeah. So you kind of get ahead of the game. Yes, exactly. Well, back to the subject of karma. Okay. Uh, we may not like the karma that returns to us for transmutation, no. but we should be grateful for this opportunity to balance it, shouldn't we? Well, it's a golden opportunity, and it actually accelerates us on our path, and it has to do with our free will. And if we choose to deal with our returning karma on a daily basis, we can start to build a positive momentum and get us towards our ultimate goal of the ascension. And I think it's mm-hmm. it's kind of a mistake to think that, well, spiritual progress means I'm going to have easy days. Everything that I want to happen is going to happen instantly. I'm going to live in the lap of luxury. And, you know, the spiritual progress that we undertake wears many guises, and the path is tailor-made for each soul. And life just isn't like that. Yeah. <laughs> and it is a bit hard. Yeah, yeah. at times. Well, let me ask you this additionally, uh, Narely. I think the, the point bears repeating that God's will is actually neither hard nor onerous, but rather it's quite joyous and freeing. I believe that uh, some people purposely avoid knowing the will of God because they feel that it's, mm. it's you know, it's something they won't like or can't do. Or it's not going <laughs> uh, to be fun. Yeah. So let's, let's set the record straight. What do you have yeah. to say about it? Well, everything just goes better if you're in that zone of your divine plan and the will of God. Your day goes better. Your life goes better. Your relationships are better. <laughs> you feel better. Your body works better. After a while, yeah. it's just not worth going back to the old ways because in the long run, it's just too costly and too painful. Um. And it is less fun. <laughs> yeah, it is, really. Yeah. Less fun. That's a good note, I think, yeah. here. <laughs> well, you know, another hour, amazingly, has literally flown by, and I'm afraid it's time to wrap things up. I want to thank Dr. Nerly Duffy, as always, for her clarity and wisdom. Thanks, Nerly. Thanks. And, uh, it's great to be with you. Well, it's always a pleasure to have you with us. And we want to thank you out there for joining us today. Indeed. We hope you find the subjects we share illuminating and helpful as you pursue your spiritual path. And we always welcome your comments, questions, and concerns. So simply send them to us at webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. And please be sure to join us again. Yeah, and thanks. As always, the, the path, upward path may be difficult, but the rewards are... Out of this world. Thanks, everyone. Have a blessed and victorious week. Bye-bye. Thank you again for joining us this week for The Open Door. This program is broadcast live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. For more information about The Open Door and the Summit Lighthouse, please visit our website at www.tsl.org. We'll see you again next week.